This is the Employment Law Show. Happy Monday. You bet. 632 schools here ready to go along with Alex Lutaferro, managing partner, Sanfiru Tamarkin LLP, the most positively reviewed employment law firm in Canada. You know what? If you have questions about employment rights, this is your show. Six days a week, you've been terminated, uh, laid off, wrongfully dismissed, harassed at work, experienced changes to your job, even human rights issues, or have some other questions, simple questions about severance. That's no problem. That's what we do here. 416-870-6400. Get the answers you need to reach out to Alex and his very capable team confidentially anytime. Email help at employmentlawyer.ca and the phone number if you don't know by now 1-855-821-5900 you can also go to employmentlawyer.ca to get the advice you need all over uh, social as well lots on there as far as youtube and facebook are concerned as well you can get more information about our other radio programs and tv shows as well we got you covered but let's get into it on the show today we're going to be talking about employee rights when a business is sold alex but before we do that and open up those phone lines again 416-870-6400 bring it on we're ready for you what do you got for the case of the day pal hey mr skulls great to be back yeah, uh, after a bit of a hiatus uh, last week we both took some well-deserved time off mm-hmm. back live in action uh, this week and uh, unsurprisingly it's been a busy uh, start to the week john lots of people contacting us with questions about their employment law issues uh you know i fielded a ton of employment law questions today just today questions about termination and severance pay of course i mean that's the bulk of of what we do here we negotiate severance packages but also i've been dealing with temporary layoffs today uh, i spoke to someone about a medical leave of absence that they're currently on and disability insurance issues uh, and of course, we're still fielding a ton of questions about mandatory vaccination policies and COVID-19 related issues in uh, in the workplace. And, you know, listen, as I always say, John, that's great. I mean, we always encourage people to contact us, seek out that help, seek out the information and the advice uh, that they need to resolve their workplace problems. Please call us in uh, on the show. This is a live call in show, as John mentioned. It would be great to chat to you live on air, help you resolve your pre- your issues right now. Uh, or, of course, if you want to contact us at the office, if uh, you have questions about your employment, if you've been let go from your job, or if you just feel like your employer is not holding up its end of the bargain somehow, you need to speak with an employment lawyer as soon as possible. These kinds of conversations can't wait. They can affect your livelihood, your your ability to pay your bills. They can affect your career moving forward. Uh, and obviously, the more information and the more knowledge you have as an employee, the more protected and prepared you're going to be to, to deal with those workplace issues. So as you mentioned, John, uh, with all of that said, let's get to the case of the day here. It's an opportunity to uh, talk about a particular matter I dealt with today and that I think will be a good lesson for our listeners uh, out there. A bit of an interesting one. You know me, John. I typically like to talk about severance issues. I usually like to talk about severance offers that we receive from employers. Bit of a different one today. I was actually speaking with A current client of mine, we're helping him resolve uh, his termination uh, issue. And this gentleman, of course, having been let go from his job, he has uh, been looking for work. He's looking for his next opportunity. Uh, He has a successful career. He's looking to continue that career with a new employer. And he had an interesting situation come up today. And he called me uh, about it. And I obviously picked up the phone and had a chat with him about it. He was applying to a job. John, applying online, as most people do nowadays. Uh, And the particular company he was applying for had a specific requirement as part of the online application. They asked for his date of birth. 
wow. John. And why? you know, most people, and, and you know, most people start to wonder, well, why do they need my date of birth? That's odd. That's maybe a little bit too much information. But this particular gentleman was kind of sharp enough and keen enough, and we've had enough conversations where it's ra- it raised the flag with him and said, huh, that means they would know my age. That might be a potential issue as far as a hiring process goes. That's potentially discrimination. Mm-hmm. And this gentleman absolutely nailed it. He's exactly right. It is not proper, John. And I would go as far as to say it's potentially illegal for an employer to be asking either your date of birth as part of an application process or to be asking your age altogether as part of an application process. And the reason why that is, is because you cannot discriminate against an individual on the basis of their age. You cannot, you cannot decide whether to hire or not hire them on the basis of their age. And so whether you're asking what their specific age is or whether you're simply asking for their date of birth, you are opening up the door as an employer to a claim for discrimination on the basis of age. And so what I suggested this gentleman uh, do is perhaps point that out to the employer and say, I don't think it's proper here that you're asking uh, for my uh, date of birth. It's potentially illegal. It's a violation of the human rights code. And again, the reason why I mentioned this, John, is it's it's an excellent example of little known employment laws and little known rights that employees might have as an employee who's looking for a job, who's applying, whether that's online or whether you're filling out an actual physical form with an employer, be very careful. Employers cannot ask about your age. They cannot ask about your medical disabilities, for example. They cannot decide whether to hire or or not hire you on certain protected grounds that are protected by our human rights code here in Ontario. And, th- and you know, the most common of those are your age, course, your gender, your religion, your nationality, and your effectively your health status, whether you have a disability or not. Do be mindful of that as an employee who, are, who is applying uh, to different jobs. And as an employer, well, of course, be very, very careful about what you ask as part of a job uh, application uh, process or as part of an interview process. You cannot ask an individual their age uh, or dis- make a decision as to whether to hire them or not based on their age. And again, reaching out to Alex if you have issues of this or any other nature, as you know, it's really simple. one 821 5900 help at employmentlawyer.ca. But here and now, as we always encourage you to call over the half hour, it's uh, 416-870-6400. Jim, thank you so much for standing by for a uh, couple minutes there, pal. What's, uh, what's your question? Uh, I bet you've never had this question ever. Thanks for taking my call. I love sure. your show. Uh, my girlfriend worked for the Catholic Children's Aid Society for 20 years. Uh, it was, at best, a poisoned work environment. Nonetheless, she retires uh, gracefully uh, after 20 years on March 31st, 2022. Uh, the uh, director of the agency says uh, what a great and wonderful human being she was. Uh, so she's retired March 31st. Uh, then she gets this bizarre letter uh, dated June 24th, 2022, uh, from the supervisor of CPIN. I guess that, that's their database uh, and privacy. And... Uh, they say in the uh, letter uh, that they uh, were unable to substantiate wh- why she might have accessed some files uh, that perhaps she didn't have legal right uh, to to access. And 
I'm thinking, well, wait a sec, she's retired. The employee-employer relationship is severed, and yet they're calling in her in for a meeting to discuss this. So uh, does she have to attend this meeting? And legally, is there anything they can do to her when she retired uh, gracefully? Yeah, quite an odd situation, uh, Jim, and an unfortunate one for uh, for your wife, who obviously you know clearly moved on from her employment and and retired. You know, it's it's interesting. Of course, employers uh, and employees, on behalf of of their employer, do have certain obligations when it comes to privacy and accessing information, particularly with respect to other employees, of course. And so, I mean, there there may be a legal obligation there, but if the specific question is, you know, does your does your wife have a, have a, a legal obligation to cooperate? I would say no, not at this point in time. At least not a, you know not until they can establish uh, that your wife has an actual legitimate need to kind of defend herself. And so, number one, I think your wife should be getting some legal advice okay. uh, uh, here and, and having a conversation off air with a lawyer because we want to know kind of the details of what's been alleged and. You know, ultimately, I think uh, as a as a first step, what your wife probably wants to do is, uh, you know, deny the allegations. Of course, if they're not true, yeah, they uh, aren't true. She only accessed files that she w- was legally entitled to access. But the Children's Aid Society was so crazy they'd assign her ten or fifteen cases one day, and then two days later they'd take back seven or eight of them. So, uh, yeah. you know, she's done nothing wrong. You know. Yeah, and and so that's why I think your first step, your first step should be simply stating your wife's position uh, clearly and respectfully, uh, uh, of course, and leaving it at that. And if there's any further recourse beyond that, then again, I think uh, I think your wife probably needs some advice uh, and, and some more tailored um, advice with respect to the approach she should take. But no, I have to agree with you. I mean, listen, the relationship has come. Uh, to an end, and ultimately, if your wife did nothing wrong in the responsibilities that she had during her time there, uh, her conscience should be clear as it sound as it seems like it is, and really, they shouldn't be bothering her uh, much more than that. Jim, appreciate the call again. You want to reach out to have a further conversation, uh, your wife anyway, to talk to Alex and his team and have a chat with you off air. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Going to move on to a another call before we take a short break. Hey, John, it's uh, it's you. What's your question, pal? Hey, buddy. Um, Okay, so my son and I were speaking, and he applied for a job. He's a student, and he's 17 years old. And the question that was brought to him is, he, this it was the city job, and they asked him how old he was. How old he was? Uh, great, great question, Job. And of course, of course, related to uh, the case of the day that we were talking about at the start of the show. So, John, I think we've got. And, and, you know, the law is riddled with exceptions. I think this might mm-hmm. be one of them. Uh, only because, listen, if your son is under age, I think it actually is a legitimate question. And, okay. you know, again, I would steer away from asking what specific age uh, an employee is. But I think with respect to certain jobs and perhaps okay. a good number of jobs, you know, asking whether the person is uh, over 18 or not may be a very legitimate question to ask ah, because there okay. are certain things that minors of course cannot do uh, that adults can uh you know and we could think of lots whether it's you know related to driving vehicles or serving alcohol or, i'm sure there's there's a ton of examples there and so in that respect i think it might be a legitimate question and so okay. i think you know if i'm advising an employer here i think the way you want to ask that question is are you over 18 or not? And that's really where I would leave it. 
Uh, because whether, okay. for example, your son is, I don't know, you know, 17 or 16 shouldn't make a difference, uh, mm -hmm. right? But whether he's 17 or 22 or, you know, any other age may very well make an actual legitimate and legal difference to whether he can do a particular job or not. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for uh, your time, John. Appreciate that. Cortez, hang on. I see you there, pal. We'll get to you next. We are still taking your calls. 416-870-6400. Alex uh, Lucifero here, San Fierro to Markin. And you can contact him. Reach out at employmentlawyer.ca. And we'll continue in just a moment right here on the Employment Law Show. Welcome back to the Employment Law Show. You bet. We're back. Thank you so much for hanging on. Still got lots of time to take your calls here. 416-870-6400. Alex Lucifero, courtesy managing partner, Sam Firu to market. You can contact Alex anytime. The most positively reviewed employment law firm in Canada, employmentlawyer.ca and 1-855-821-5900. You can find out everything you need to know by going to that website, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, and also through the live streams, TV shows, YouTube, and Facebook, and so much more. I want to get to, uh, to Cortez. Cortez, thank you so much for standing by, as they say. What's your question? All right. First, a statement. I, uh, I had applied for a job. It's a provincial job. I don't know. It might be unionized, and therefore we may have some different... Uh, Rules and regulations and laws that don't apply to unionized that do apply or do apply to um, private uh, employment as opposed to unionized workers. Um, <clears throat> so it was a provincial job, if I'm not mistaken. It's not a subsidiary of provincial provincial job. Provincially funded, probably a program of some sort. And it, uh, I think the quota was um, either have been on. Um, I think drugs or addicted to painkillers or something in addition to, I don't know if it said homosexual, but I was rejected and told that I don't meet their quota because I'm not a homosexual. If there's no proof of me being told that, or if I can't get back into my email account to have this and to show this in writing, how could I have any rights with regards to employment law, when I wasn't even employed to begin with, I didn't even get to the starting block. Right. This is a tra travesty. This is discrimination. And they should be looking at the content of my character and my heart, not finding ways to cut me out. Uh, do I have any rights? Do I have any legs to stand on? Should I have went back and engaged in a conversation so we could reiterate that with a hidden camera or something? Like, this gotcha. is disgusting. And taxpayers expense? My yeah. Alex, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, listen, despite the fact that you weren't technically an employee there, that right. you were, you know, as part of a, an initial interview process, you still have rights, uh, Cortez, to be, uh, to be clear. And even if it was a unionized position that you were applying to, you would still be able to file a complaint under the Human Rights Code and the Human Rights Tribunal in Ontario. So you certainly have options there. And listen, if it is the case that you were discriminated against on the basis of your, you know, whatever, whether it's on your sexuality uh, or whatever it might be. I mean, that's a very serious issue. It does then, as you mentioned, Cortez, it does ultimately come to a question of evidence. Who can prove what? So if it ultimately comes down to a question of your word versus theirs, 
where, well, then the tribunal will have to assess credibility, who's more believable than the other person, particularly if there are no documents available. Now, you mentioned emails. If there are emails uh, that you don't necessarily have in your possession, but that the employer might have in their possessions, those would be, of course, very relevant, and you would be able to obtain a copy uh, of those emails. That's okay. And so in this situation, uh, Cortez, if you feel like you were discriminated, uh, discriminated uh, against, I would encourage you to file a human rights application. You have options, even if you weren't technically employed uh, by the company, that would still be considered a discrimination. Do keep in mind as a last point, uh, generally speaking, you have a year from the date of the occurrence. So in this case, from the date of the discrimination, the date of that particular job interview or conversation, you have a year from that date to pursue a claim like this. If it is beyond a year, you are out of time, you can no longer uh, pursue it. Again, uh, don't be shy to pursue something like this. Employees and prospective employees have rights, have protections in Ontario uh, under our employment laws and under our human rights uh, laws. No employee or no prospective employee should be subject to that kind of behavior. And if you want to have a chat uh, off air again, don't be shy to give us a call. More than happy uh, to give you uh, some more specific advice. Let's uh, get on to it. Uh, we have uh, time, by the way, if you want to reach out as well, like our, our past callers, you still got a, a few minutes, 416-870-6400, no problem. I want to move on to this, so employee rights when a business is sold. This happens every day. I know you get lots of calls and emails about this topic, both from employees and employers, Alex. But when a business is sold, do employees automatically get severance? How's that structured? They don't automatically get severance, uh, John, only because, well, their employment doesn't necessarily come to an end when a business uh, is bought and sold. It could be the case that that transition, the purchase of one company by their, by another or by another individual, uh, the, the situation is often the case where employees continue their employment during that period of time. And of course, if that employment continues... Again, that's not necessarily always the case, but in most cases, if that employment continues through the purchase, through the purchase and sale of the business, there is going to be no severance owed. And again, that's not an automatic right. If that happens to you, if your employer uh, goes through, whether it's a merger or an acquisition, whatever it might be, no, you can't assume that you're going to get severance because you can't assume that your employment is actually going to end. It may very well continue with the new, with the new owner. So let's go down the road where your employment has continued with the uh, the new owner of the business. Say you're a, a 15, 20-year employee and it's day one with the new owner of the, of the business. What happens to your, uh, your seniority or length of service uh, when you continue working? Yeah, and this is a situation, uh, John, where actually our laws are quite protective of employees. So it would be obviously unfair for an employee who's, let's say, given 10 years of service with the same employer to start back at day one just because the business has been sold to a new company or to a new owner. Of course, all of, you know you don't want all of those years of service going down the drain. I mean, for various reasons. It could just be for, uh, you know, for salary purposes, for vacation pay purposes, and also for severance purposes. And so under our Employment Standards Act, under the Employment Standards legislation in Ontario, Length of service continues when a business is bought and sold. You are not a day one employee when that purchase and sale uh, uh, happens. Your length of service continues completely uninterrupted. And so if you work for a company for 10 years 
And at year 10, that company is sold to another company and you're now, uh, em, you know, com employee number uh, 100 of company B, uh, you're going to continue as a 10-year employee and continue to accrue years of service beyond that point, even if it's your first day with that purchasing company. How about this scenario, though? You're, uh, you know, you're a, you're a ten-year employee, so you've been there for some time. But for the new new employer, the new buyer, you're an unfamiliar face, so they might slide over a new employment contract to you, thinking that you're uh -huh. new. Let's start this off. Then what do you do? Very common occurrence, uh, yep. John. Oftentimes, and it's a way for the purchasing uh, for for the purchasing entity again, whether it's a company or an individual, it's actually a way to protect themselves, and that is by introducing new employment. Uh, contracts to the existing employees that uh, of the company that they're purchasing uh, a you know a, a big big red flag has to go off here for these employees uh, John because anytime whether it's at the start of an employment relationship or during an employment relationship such as this example whenever an employer is introducing a new employment contract those spidey senses have to start tingling and you need advice from an employment lawyer before you sign an employment agreement. Ideally, in a purchase and sale situation, there is no employment agreement. And I know that sounds silly to say. Sometimes employees want that certainty of something in writing from the new employer. But you're actually better off, you're better protected without an employment contract when that sale goes through than with one. Because guess what? Just like in any other situation, when you're signing an employment agreement, the only thing that that employment agreement is going to do is protect the company and limit what it has to pay you. For example, when a purchasing company is taking over another company and taking over their employees, a lot of times that purchasing company will insert language into an employment contract that limits an employee severance so that if they want to let the employee go a week later, a month later, or a year later, or even a day later for that matter, uh, they would owe a minimal amount of severance and potentially much less than they would have otherwise be owed had they not signed the employment contract. So be very, very cautious when signing an employment agreement in the context of a purchase and sale. And to be honest, at any point during the employment relationship, even if it's not a sale happening, if your employer comes to you with an employment contract, big red flag, make sure you speak with an employment lawyer. Certainly reach out to us and give us a call. If you don't like us, speak to any other employment lawyer uh, for that matter. But you need advice certainly in a purchase and sale situation, but in any other situation as well when signing an employment contract. Going to give you about a minute to answer this last question then. So if the employee does not want to take the job, could be because of that employment contract sitting in front of them or anything else. Is that considered a resignation? Are they entitled to anything? Yeah, great question, John. It depends on the terms of the new contract. So if the new contract is offering terms of employment that are comparable to what the, the employee currently has as terms of employment, that would be a reasonable offer. And yeah, potentially that might impact how much severance he's owed uh, or she's owed. If the terms being offered to that employee are completely incomparable, if the position is much less and the pay is much less and there's a bunch of wild terms in there, the employee would have the right to reject that contract, but they're okay. still owed severance. So it really depends on what's being offered to that employee, how similar it is or isn't to their current terms. 
And that is it for tonight. We are back tomorrow, though, at 6.30. So if you have more questions, bring them on tomorrow. In the meantime, one 821 5900 to get hold of Alex, help at employmentlawyer.ca and pocketemploymentlawyer.ca as well. We'll catch you tomorrow at 6.30 right here on the Employment Law Show.